Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rotoro Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined by Mr. Denny Carter. Is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? We will not tell you. We are not allowed to by NBC Legal. We are allowed to tell you we're going to be breaking down the Colts' chaos, the Dolphins' new backfield committee. Everyone is happy about DeAndre Swift's new usage reality, or is it? And much some more. So, so much more. Denny, you liked my intro today. It Man, like. Yeah, that, you got me rolling here. I mean, it's, <laughs> Good way to get the show because... Uh, Get the show rolling because it was hard not to be rolling on the floor laughing, Denny, at the Colts news that broke huh. Monday morning, huh. where they fired one of the most respected coaches in the NFL and Frank Reich and replaced him with, this is not a joke, a high school football coach, Jeff yep. Saturday. He may be a, quote, 14-year NFL veteran and may, quote, be in the Colts ring of honor, but uh seems like a bit of a stretch to name him a head coach, especially like, this is kind of, like if you're going to make this hire – you need to make this higher on like January 8th, you know, yeah. where they have like the whole off season it's, to get at, like the guy was literally like tweeting, like on his quite, quite literally sitting on his couch tweeting. If you go through his Twitter, lots of really casual football observations, including one that week 10 Indianapolis opponent, Las Vegas is quote horrible. Oh. is what he tweeted on October 30th, Jeff Saturday. So it could be an awkward handshake with Josh McDaniels after the game, but oh, no. I don't even know where to begin with this other than I don't even know where to begin. Uh, well, it seems like they're teeing it up for a Jeff Saturday Disney Plus movie uh, <laughs> where he is played by uh, Craig James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Craig James is – Craigers, as he's known, has got the market corner on those kind of roles. Right, and, and it'll be uh, the feel-good story of a, uh, a former Colts player coming into Indianapolis and losing the final eight games. Of the season. But <laughs> getting, le- getting punched in the face by Josh McDaniels. But learning lessons along the way, you know, such as, hey, Sam Ellinger is not a pro caliber quarterback and Jonathan Taylor is too hurt to play. And we don't have any receivers behind Michael Pittman. Things like that, you know, so, so, so he'll be learning, learning, you know, as he goes. And how they used to be an organization of stability and or just anything but right now, Jim Ursay kind of operating like a loose cannon. Oh. Like a non-Colts matters to me. And you got to give him props. He seems to be the one who forced the sale of the Washington Commanders. So he's done some good. But 
He he's ordered a, a quarter- ball right now. Yeah, he ordered a quarterback benching, more or less. I mean, reading between the lines. Oh, yeah. Oh, sort yeah. of seems like Jim Irsay ordered the benching of Matt Ryan. Then he fired uh, the offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, last week. And when that was not enough, he fired Frank Reich on Monday, who, again, one of the more respected coaches in the NFL. Uh, our friend Rich Rebar, uh, I'm not going to list all the numbers, but he definitely – uh, he cited enough numbers to show that their the Colts' performance against the Patriots, the offensive performance, was one of the worst in recent history. Um, but what did you expect? Like, um, you know, you 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 have a banged up offensive line, even at, at full health, they're not very good. Sam Ellinger, like who could like barely barely get by against Washington at home in decent game script against Bill Belichick, who eats inexperienced quarterbacks alive. At, in New England, I mean, what like I, I think that this comes down to Jim Irsay was embarrassed in front of his good friend Bob Kraft. <laughs> My theory on this is so a lot of people are saying, why not fire Chris Ballard? Like, why are you hiring the coach and why not fire the guy who's been choosing these quarterbacks? And my theory on that is that maybe Frank Reich has actually kind of been choosing the quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, Chris Ballard is the GM. And it doesn't seem like one of those situations where like Chris Ballard has like low key final say on the roster or anything like that. But that, you know, probably every offseason, like, hey, what kind of quarterback do you want? And I'll be like, I don't know, Carson Wentz. I'm like, I don't know, Matt Ryan. I don't know, Phillip Rivers. And or maybe they were going displeased with this. But I mean, this is total speculation. And it, is. it just seems like an odd scapegoating choice. It, um, no, it was. And Frank Reich's a good coach and he will obviously land on his feet, probably have success as an offensive coordinator somewhere. I saw some, be, honestly, get another head coaching job yeah, he will. in January. He will. You know, who won't get another head coaching job is Jeff Saturday. <laughs> well, not, I think he might keep it, Denny. Uh, Cause I mean, the bar is so low. It, dude, if he goes three and no. five, he's keeping the job. I can guarantee you. There's, there's zero chance they're going three and five. If he gets three wins. He's keeping the job. Okay, no, I, I agree with you. If he gets three wins, he'll be the coach till 2045. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. We're going to see Matt Ryan reinstalled too because you're not having a guy come in from high school. He might be kind of like, uh, can we at least play the real quarterback? Oh, oh my God, you're right. Oh my God, they, they actually deactivated Ryan and said he'll, like, basically, in so many words, he will never play another down in this city again. And he's going to play, he's going to come yeah. back. He's now his like commanding officer. He's been like recalled to base. And they're like, can we get oh. Matt Ryan back here. He's not on leave anymore. You know, they have to. They have to do it. Oh, no, because Ellinger is uh, not the answer, personally. No. His per- dual threat – well, so, yeah, to call him a dual threat, to call him a, a mono threat would be yeah. a stretch at this oh, point. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Um, so I think in NFL media in general, uh, we need to stop – and I'm not blaming you for anything here, but uh, we need like- to stop saying – dual threat because a guy is willing to run he has to be okay at it yeah (laughs) he has to be like at least passable and sam ellinger is just straight up slow he's just a very slow (laughs) nfl player he's like very extremely unathletic i mean taylor heineke looks like michael vick compared to sam ellinger you know the most fraudulent dual threat ever was probably carson wentz maybe last year even and where Carson Wentz yeah. had like that thing where he was willing to run, he like decided he was Cam Newton like every other game. He would just get like <laughs> splintered yeah. apart for loss. He's, uh, he's he's pretty slow. He he wasn't slow before the knee thing, by the way. But he 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 is slow today. But yeah, I mean Sam Ellinger is uh, a dis- was a disastrous decision. They should have just you know wrote it out with Matt Ryan. Well, I, I mean. I- 
I say, I think maybe it was worth giving him basically to seeing was there any wild hair upside here? What's there? Like, you'll never know if you don't try. They tried and now they know. And like for the purposes of even when your season is lost, you can't just let it go off the rails completely because you can't like let everyone on the roster, like you can't let all 53 players like lose career momentum. Like you need to keep like a competent product going. And I think they actually will probably go back to Matt Ryan very, very, very soon. Uh, there was a, a, a longtime Colts beat writer whose name escapes me right now who wrote today that the locker room seems to have been lost. Um, uh, and I, I can't imagine that hiring Jeff Saturday is going to uh, is no. going to win it back. And mo- most of all here, we have to be happy for Naheem Hines. We do. He got off the sinking ship. And now I'll have to ask you about the remaining players. So producer Adam uh, points out the Colts' remaining schedule at Las Vegas, who, again, Jeff Saturday has labeled as horrible, versus the Eagles, versus the Steelers, versus oh, the Cowboys, oh, oh. at the Vikings, versus the Chargers, at the New York Giants, versus the Texans. They're going to win three games there, by the way. I think. Mm, well, let's see. Uh, Texans, maybe- dub. Josh McDaniels, dub. Kenny Pickett, dub. No, probably not. <laughs> probably none of these. Um, probably Houston. I think two yeah. victories out of that. They might have to fold the franchise after the Eagles game. They might. Yes. Boy, yeah. Not a good time for that Eagles game. Yeah. And so that's the remaining schedule. Like this being trying to like think of this critically, I guess assuming Sam Ellinger is going to remain under center for now. Like where do we go from here with Michael Pittman, with Alec Pierce, I guess with Jonathan yeah. Taylor, we don't know his week 10 status. Just where on earth do we go from here with these skill players? <sighs> I, I think Michael Pittman, if Ellinger stays under center, uh, is at best a wide receiver three. He's in um, DJ Moore land pretty much, yeah. I think. Um, Alec Pierce is unusable except for in like super deep leagues. Uh, I suppose Paris Campbell has some u- usability. I don't know. I mean, I I know that, the, that Ellinger is not throwing the same sort of quick hitting passes that Matt Ryan was. Um now, I will say don't quite – I'm not willing to give up on any of these guys because – and I know this sounds funny for as bad as Matt Ryan was in the first six, seven weeks of the season. But if Matt Ryan comes back and they and they reinstall that, that fast-paced, quick-hitting, shotgun-heavy attack that they used for two games before he was benched, that's good. That's good for fantasy. It's it doesn't good make for life. fantasy. It might not be good for real life, but it'll be very good for fantasy. No, it's ter- terrible for real life. <laughs> it's but, like what they have to do, though, too. But right. But if they go back to that, then I, I think you, ju- you just pick up where they left off. Paris Campbell becomes an interesting PPR option. Alec Pierce has maybe a little bit of appeal as a downfield threat, and Michael Pittman, uh, you know, has that has that same appeal uh, as as uh, uh, Paris Campbell, as the underneath intermediate stuff that we saw. So. Uh, don't give up, don't drop them. But for now, you, you you should consider other options. Jonathan Taylor, I hope he sits for a little while longer. The ankle's not right. No, you you have to play. I mean, honestly, you have to play him though. Like if he's oh playing. yeah 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 for sure, he's a must start because uh, so, sometimes with these injuries, I mean, this is like sounds like hokum. This sounds like superstition, basically. Sometimes just all of a sudden, one week they are healthy, and if Jonathan Taylor, like basically anytime he's active. He's a threat there, like a 160-yard game. So I would never bench Jonathan Taylor if he's at. I mean, I know most of our listeners wouldn't consider benching him. If Probably he not. I mean, I've seen some some people uh, in my in my Twitter mentions saying, uh, should I? Maybe. I don't know. No, you should uh, not. 
Um, by the way, the uh, the Colts pa- or I'm sorry, they're they're run blocking um, third fourth worst in the league right now, behind only Jacksonville Chargers and Cardinals. Well, interim coach Jeff Saturday is also returning to the interior line, I think. So that'll right. be a huge boon um, for the Colts run blocking. Did you see? Did you happen to see that clip of Peyton Manning dressing down Jeff Saturday on the sideline like no. two years ago? <laughs> oh my gosh! Apparently, apparently Saturday was, I guess, changing the plays at the line, and Peyton Manning did not take kindly. No, you don't do that to Peyton Manning. And he was screaming it. And you you just don't see that. And then one of the other offensive linemen came in and was like, sit your butt down, Peyton. (laughs) Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, Peyton Peyton would do that, but somehow kind of remain one of the guys. I don't really know how. He he kind of thread that needle. No, no. He he was threading the needle in the clip because he was looking at the other offensive lineman who stepped into the altercation. He goes... And he goes, we're cool. We're cool. I'm not cool with Jeff Saturday. He's changing my place. Basically, you know, you remember uh, Peyton used to to, to uh, shift out of a run into a pass inside uh, the five-yard multiple line. Multiple times per play. Literally every play. I think Saturday was getting in that in his way of, of racking up the, the throwing touchdowns. Yeah, he needs – he wanted as many audibles and, and as many stat – Peyton all-time stat patter. I mean – just, just what oh, you yeah. have to do. No, no hate there. You have to do it. You've no, I respect. Huge yeah, respect. You, big time respect. But just, yeah, this is a relic of a time gone by in American sports, by the way. Like an owner making like a soup. This used to be like really common. Like, oh, George Steinbrenner fired Billy Martin for the 40th time this season. Right. And you just like, don't see this happen. So to see it happen, it's kind of almost giving me nostalgia. Like, oh, an owner made a horrible, impetuous rash. Yeah. Uh, this is what I love about sports. Yes, yeah, right. You don't see an owner completely off the rails in the in the uh, very carefully managed, optimized to within an inch of its life social media age. No, you just don't. And there's just there's just too much money at stake. And Denny, two teams that may be pondering extremely rash moves should be the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And our pre-show call, you really didn't seem to have much interest in this topic. I do. I, I'm going to bring it up anyway. Uh, of the Bucks, of the Packers. Which team do we consider more likely to turn things around? I don't even know what turn things around yeah. quote even looks like, but which team is more likely to turn things around? I have an answer for this, and the answer is the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's, um, yeah, I mean, probably the only answer, right? And I, I, and I have some some numbers because uh, I've never, I haven't seen a, either of these teams play. I've never actually seen Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you, you should. <laughs> this is Tom saying you should check out one Tom Brady game before he yeah. retires. I, I, Tell your I kids do. you watched a game. I do hear that. I probably have another five or six years left. So I do, unfortunately. We'll, we'll see. So here, here's why I say the Bucks. Okay, the Packers uh, have the seventh lowest pass rate over expected on first and ten. They they run their offense at the sixth slowest pace in the league. Basically, the Packers are relying on this on the extreme efficiency they enjoyed with Devontae Adams, basically playing pitch and catch Steve Spurrier style with Aaron Rodgers. Um, He's not there anymore. I don't know. We just we're hearing this right now. There, uh, Devonte Adams is now in Las Vegas, and but they're trying to do the same stuff. They're trying to run it the same way, and they can't. And Pat Crane in his walkthrough column, which, com- which comes out on NBC Sports Edge every Friday, a devotee of, and it's an amazing column. Very, very into it. He's been saying this since week one that Matt Lafleur 
can, back in week one, he was saying Matt LaFleur can, cannot possibly try to run this offense the way that they did with Devontae Adams. And they have every single week. They have slow paced, just relying on efficiency to, to kick in. It doesn't kick in when Alan Lazard is your wide receiver one. It does. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. So, so what I'm saying is the Packers are not trying. Okay. On, on offense, the Bucks, however, are trying Bucks had the fourth highest pass rate over expected on first and 10. They have, they operate at the fastest offensive pace in the league. Uh, Tampa Bay has the third lowest EPA per rush in the league. They, they're, they're awful. Awful. So, so is this a reason they're going to be good? No, they're, what I'm saying is they're, they are abysmal. Leonard Fournette has been horrendous. Rashad White has been worse actually yeah. uh, as a, and not as a receiver, but as a, as a rusher, um, Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator for the Bucks, would do well to completely abandon the run going forward, to uh, like abandon like KC style. KC this past week, Kansas City had um, seventy five pass rate, a seventy five percent pass rate on early downs. Uh, the Bucks had fifty five percent. If the Bucks can get up into that seventy percent, seventy five percent range, I think that that would give them the the best chance to succeed because they're getting nothing from the running game. Especially because I just don't think Tom Brady is that physically diminished. And no. kind of, I got into a debate in our Slack with Kyle Dvorak where I don't really think Aaron, I honestly, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the issue. Like, I think Aaron Rodgers' attitude has clearly become quite toxic. Yeah. Like, if you were watching this Lions game, he's like storming cool. Norman the whole game, like just <laughs> furious, like yeah. just like cannot hide his fury, like palpable from like the opening whistle, just angry, angry, angry. But like, He's still he's still pretty much doing dropping a bucket throws like he still seems to have the exact same arm strength, almost the exact same timing. But this supporting cast is just a laughing stock. Yeah, yeah. All of Twitter, all of Packers media, all of like Packers, whatever Packers kingdom was right that uh, maybe you should have been adding some more receivers the past few years. Yeah. Now they got they finally invested some resources in it, but you know they're rookies who are always behind the developmental curve. Now they're always hurt. Like there's just no one. He has chemistry with no. The only player he has any chemistry with is Robert Tunyon, and he's just not that good. And he's coming off a torn ACL, so there's just basically no safe haven for Aaron Rodgers, and he is very angry about it. We're talking um, real angry, right? Uh, someone in in our uh, watching us on Twitch says that Rodgers underthrew a ball yesterday that could have gone for a long touchdown. I well, not was, so. This was a 44 yard. This was no, I, I agree with you. I agree with what you're going to say. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Were you going to say that I, it wasn't really an underthrow? I thought it was a good throw. Yeah, a, I thought it was, it was a good, good throw too, and it was a spectacular defensive play. Right. And right. maybe like prime Aaron Rodgers gets like the extra inch under that throw. But like when I saw that throw, I was like actually encouraged by that. Like, oh yeah, he's still just like dropping a missile down the field. Yeah, and it yeah. took like a spectacular highlight reel to bust up this play. It was it, kind of my inter- maybe, maybe I'm just trying to see things that aren't there. But so, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm like anyone else. So I've been kind of like, like, it's hard not to laugh like the Aaron Rodgers struggle, but like I going in this game, kind of expecting to see him struggling. I just like, didn't see that. I really did see a guy like, yeah, he should probably be mad at his supporting cast. Um, Cause they're letting him down. Look, uh, I can't think of a team besides Tennessee that has a worse receiver room than, than green Bay. I, I, I would say the Texans, but I think Brandon cooks put the, puts them over the top of the Packers. Um, I, I just, I can't, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with anybody. So, well, that's partly I, I, because Denny, I'll set you up for this one because Romeo Dobbs, uh, high ankle sprain injured the very first play against the lions. Um, he's going to be out for four to six weeks. 
uh, there's someone you wanted to talk about in the Green Bay receiver core, and I'll allow it. Yeah, uh, right. And it, look, the Supreme Court has ruled six to three that I can actually <laughs> talk about these guys. So thank you. Uh, I, I want to talk about two two Packers receivers. No, right you've now. upped it to two. It was only one when we were on the phone. Things have changed. Uh, things have shifted. My interns have looked into it more strongly since we've spoken. Uh, so Sammy Watkins operated as the wide receiver too, uh, with both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs out last week or against the lions on Sunday, uh, ran the second most routes, saw the second most wide receiver targets at five. Of course, this resulted in exactly one reception for nine yards as Sammy Watkins does. So I am I'm, I'm going to personally struggle to get excited about Sammy Watkins prospects as the wide receiver two in green Bay. I am uh, I, I struggle a little less to get a little more excited if you're keeping track here uh, of uh, <laughs> of Samari Torres Samari Torre as the slot receiver for Aaron Rodgers uh, at least for the short term. So uh, against the against the Lions, he was third among Green Bay wideouts and pass routes. He it was only a fifty percent pass uh, route participation rate. Uh, that's partly because Amari Rogers mixed in as a slot guy. Uh, he's talking about four. someone Aaron Rodgers does not like. Oh man, he does not like Amari <laughs> no. Rogers. Uh, and uh, so so Torre uh, saw four targets on uh, on limited uh, route routes, so nineteen percent target per route run rate, which is which is really solid in a miniature sample size. Okay, and I am admitting this is very small. Uh, Torre's target per route run rate is almost the same as Randall Cobb. And Romeo Dobbs. This I was season. hoping you were going to say Devontae Adams. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it's forty percent. Uh, you know, I, so you know, Cobb is is still sidelined. Uh, the Packers go up against a Dallas defense that has actually been top ten in giving up receptions and yardage to slot receivers. I'm just saying that Torrey is interesting if he gets a full complement of snaps. He's playing, so he's seeing time on the slot. He also seems to kind of be trying to emerge as like Aaron Rodgers, like scramble drill guy. And yeah. that was a throw that Aaron Rodgers kind of underthrew. was more than the deep ball that could have been the 44-yard touchdown. There was a play, a broken play, where Rodgers vacated the pocket. Toure vacated his route, kind of was trying to work back to him. He was wide open for a pretty long gain. And Rodgers was on the move. He was kind of falling off to his side, and he, he turfed it like right at his feet. But yeah. he definitely seems like someone Aaron Rodgers at least is like considering developing chemistry with. He, he's interesting. He has an interesting college profile. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, I, I, he's, I don't know. Look, I'm going to use a real football, ter- uh, real football guy term and say uh, he's more electric than, uh, than either. I think Lazard or Sammy Watkins. He, and so Sammy Watkins just to take people through the low light reel against the lions. He dropped a screen. He was going to be the, well, he was targeted on an end zone fade, except for he ran a slant instead and was, did not receive the target. And on the very final fourth and 10 play that ended the game, he was the intended target and appeared to again run the wrong route. Um, so uh, the chemistry doesn't seem to be working out there. It, it, these are things you don't expect from a veteran. And uh, I feel like if, if Romeo Dobbs did that, he would be cut. He would. I mean, he already has been, actually. Um, <laughs> if you heard it here, for, they cut him. Uh, no, they didn't. But he's probably going on injured reserve. Uh, I agree. Samari Toure. The past two weeks, maybe I think it was back-to-back games. He's looked like someone like, man, I might actually consider taking a flyer on this guy. I think he's interesting. I really do. And, and there's so many targets for the taking there. That's right. 
That's right. And, and, and Lazar doesn't command targets. He's not like a, no. you know, like a target black hole, like Devonte Adams was obviously. So I think there, there will be in uh, this week doesn't set up great because both the Cowboys and the Packers try to score as few points as possible um, and, uh, and, and run as few plays as possible. So it's it's not the greatest fantasy environment. In fact, it's probably the worst fantasy environment. Producer uh, Adam, can you find us the early over under on Packers Cowboys? By the way, is it is it over thirty? Is my question. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it's over thirty nine five, but I'm kind of it should it's probably over thirty nine. I'm gonna go with forty one and a half. Yeah, I'll say forty two and a half. Um, but is it's it? gonna be not oh. okay. It's forty three. Yeah, 43. so that makes sense. I think hammering the under. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna hammer the under on that one too. Uh, so Smarty Toure, uh, must add. Nice, no, he's, he's kind of interesting. <laughs> kind of interesting. Denny, what was very interesting is Miami just collecting X 49ers running backs. That's all Shanahan disciples know how to do. Yeah. It's a very self-contained small universe. Like once you're in the Shanny verse, you kind of never leave it. So Mike McDaniel, when he needed a new running back, he knew exactly what to do. Call up his old boss, Kyle Shanahan. Like I need Jeff Wilson down here in Miami, like kind of stat, like mm-hmm, ASAP, mm-hmm. pronto. They send him down. He immediately leads a committee that features X 49ers running back as well. Raheem Mostert outhandled them 12 to nine yeah. in Chicago's 12 touches were his most since week five, by the way, for Jeff Wilson. Um, so he's getting more usage than he even got in San Francisco. Was this a blip? Is this like a changing of the guard? What is it other than we know extremely annoying for the foreseeable future? It's not annoying for me who has Jeff Wilson in uh, let me check uh, every league. So I, I am, I am somewhat bullish on it. And, and, and that does look just, just as a peek behind the curtain that affects how fantasy analysts talk about players. Okay. Like if I had Raheem Mostert in every league, I'd be like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about Jeff Wilson. <laughs> but let me tell you the facts on Jeff Wilson, whether I like him or not. Uh, obviously he's very familiar with this, with this system. Um, let me read you a quote that he had from just the day after he was acquired by Miami. Uh, it's like riding a bike. I've been doing this since day one, same running styles, same passing styles, same one-on-one matchups to get you in the open field. Everything's the same. It's something I've been doing. It's something I'm comfortable with. It's very, very familiar. To really me. laying it on thick. He said that he said the same thing 11 different ways. And you have to respect that. There's almost uh, Dow doth protest too much. Maybe the system's totally different. I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe, no. Laying it on way too thick there, Jeff. Also, I mean, I, I actually, I, I couldn't find Mike McDaniels. Maybe our listeners can Mike McDaniels quote about Jeff Wilson, but he basically went full Belichick and was like, when you talk about the most important people in this country's history, <laughs> you talk about Abraham Lincoln, you talk about MLK jr. And you talk about Jeff Wilson. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, it, Wilson's been good uh, this year, actually really good. He's 10th in yards uh, before contact per, per carry. Only seven running backs are, are higher in next gen stats, rush yards over expected per attempt. In other words, he has been very, very efficient. The thing is Raheem Mostert has also been somewhat efficient. So it's not like Mostert has been bad. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but I think that, in the first in the first game in the debut five days after he's traded to Miami for him to out snap and out touch I believe uh, Raheem Mostert uh, is a signal that it, it could be Jeff Wilson's backfield down the line although Mostert is definitely going to keep mixing in yeah I think it's gonna be one of those really really frustrating situations just where like the the Shanny game plan Mike McDaniel in this case 
Does this kind of always be a little inscrutable, like ahead of time, where you're not, you might not, you might have a good idea of what it might be, but you're not going to really know until the game starts. And there could be some weeks where I feel like, again, it's close to 20 Raheem Mostert touches. Really, why would anyone ever be game planning like 15 Jeff Wilson touches? I don't really understand why, but he's a perfectly fine role player. I actually, I will concede that. Point. You're such a hater. I, I am for some reason a Jeff Wilson hater. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what he did, what he did to me. Uh, um, what he did to you is you have Raheem Mostert on your team. <laughs> I actually don't. I don't have either of them this year. No? I had a lot of Elijah Mitchell oh, last year. I will say that. I'm usually Maybe. really good at sussing out who has whom on their fantasy teams according to how they talk about them. I assumed you had 100% most. I actually don't. I say I don't know where the Jeff Wilson disdain comes from. It's kind of more, I think, maybe like Shanny. Sometimes I get annoyed at like the Shanny coaching tree and just like kind of like not broadening the horizons. Like, well, the only guy who can run this system is Jeff Wilson. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so we just got to do it. One player in the league we can trade for. It's why we traded three first round picks for Jeff. Wilson. Right. Oh. We had our we had a choice between Saquon Barkley and Jeff Wilson. We had to go with Jeff Wilson. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's where a little of it comes from. But yeah, I just some it's. I do agree that it needed to become a committee because Raheem Mostert, you're playing with fire, giving a player yeah. with his injury history that many touches. He seemed to kind of already be wearing down on his workload. So I actually do understand why they went out and got another back and added him to this backfield. And we'll just be up front that I think it'll be hard for me to prognosticate in like the rankings column. So, right. I, we'll I will say that I, even though the Dolphins are top five and pass rate over expected, obviously, past first team, like no matter what, okay, they're, they're in like the Bills Chiefs conversation right now. They that that still creates a positive fantasy environment. Uh, for whoever can be the lead back in that situation, teams teams are backing off. Teams are playing the pass. They're scared to death of of, of uh, Jalen Waddle and and Tyreek Hill. So they it does it does open up um, you know some some good good spots for uh, whoever takes on that role. Speaking of backfield, speaking of committees, the Lions. I mean, the Lions. You can't say they didn't try to warn us. Like they basically announced a snap count during the week for DeAndre Swift, but I don't know if anyone had anything quite this dramatic in mind. I don't have, I think it was like 10 snaps for DeAndre Swift. Like the stat I lashed onto is that he outtouched Justin Jackson five to four. Like that's a huge, huge, huge problem. Yeah. Um, we did get a quote, Denny, on money from Dan Campbell telling reporters they want to get DeAndre Swift quote a little bit more involved this week. Uh, Cause he, he looked healthy. I thought he looked a lot healthier than he did in week eight where he actually looked ready to contribute Understandably so, though, they might be scared that he'll just get injured again. What's the lay of the land here? Uh, Swift saw four targets on seven pass routes uh, this week against the Packers. And so I think he, he continues to be a weapon, a guy who who really commands the ball when he's out there. It's just a matter of, of him ramping up to a full workload. I, I don't I don't really know what we're waiting for or what they're waiting for. Um, if this is like a really long-term thing that's going to affect him for the rest of the year. But yeah, I mean, Justin Jackson's involvement against the Packers was like downright disturbing. Like, you, okay, like you've come to you've come to terms with Jamal Williams being the goal line guy and, and really just vulturing a lot of high value fantasy opportunities from Swift. Okay, like, okay, we've, we, we hate it, but, uh, but we get it. That's happening. But Justin Je- Justin Jackson mixing in and and Swift barely playing uh, in a in a in a script that should be friendly for him uh, doesn't uh, doesn't bode well. So I guess I mean you drafted him in what the second round. So 
yeah you got to keep late playing first. them yeah you got to keep playing them uh but he's losing out like i said on so many of those high value touches in that in that offense and when you say you got to keep playing him I, I i think you can do like a little more charitable wording and like you should keep playing it like he the thing is you just you can't play him as an rb2 obviously he, no. he's full on like boom bust flex He's the kind of guy. I mean, he had five touches and he turned them into fifty yards. So the guy gets five right. touches and he right. reaches the half century mark. He was a yard away from a touchdown. Very frustrating. He carried the ball down mm. to the one yard line and they immediately brought in Jamal Williams, who did not score. By the way, um, Jamal. Part of this too, Jamal Williams playing a really really bad Packers run defense had twenty four carries for eighty one yards. So it's not like he's like putting this job out of reach, but I, I do understand the Lions coaching staff's like hesitance to commit to this guy. Yeah. So every time they do, he immediately gets hurt. Maybe it's bad luck. Maybe it's just a fluke. Um, I, I do think you, you keep rolling him out there as a flex, but it's like the classic, you just have to adjust expectations. You treat him as a high variance flex and not the RB two and maybe RB one. You thought you were getting. I, I think, you know, it's, it's similar to Antonio Gibson. Uh, it's a thing where, you know, where we tried to wish cast some of these super talented guys into massive workloads. Uh, and uh, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Sometimes the team, the team sees something, knows something that, Hey, you know what? He's better deployed as a, as a, a change of pace back. And Swift is the kind of guy uh, reminds me a little bit like in, in that way of Jamal Charles before he was like fully unleashed where he doesn't actually need that many touches to make a difference. You know, no, like, he needs 12 to 15 it, touches. That's 12 really touches and Swift can do a lot of damage statistically. So, yeah, I mean, again, five touches, he gets to 50 yards. Uh, one of those is a really long reception. So a lot of it came on one catch, but he's kind of, or you don't need, yeah, excellent point that you don't need 20 touches, even 10. If you give you, if you told me I was getting 10 DeAndre Swift touches, I'm like, yeah, I'm starting him for sure. That's that's better than 20 Jamal Williams touches. No, yeah, better than 25. Oh, um, I, I don't know why I had to. Yeah, that was kind of better, a pointless. Better than kind of 45, a, honestly. Yeah, it's kind of a pointless <laughs> ante thing for me. But uh, um, we'll up the ante again right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. Contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football 
on the PGA Tour and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Chargers and 49ers in our Sunday night seven contest. And don't forget, download the Rotorold app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Danny, I'm going to go a little off script because right before we were coming on the show, you know, there's a lot of Josh Allen updates going around. We don't really have much to talk about this yet, but uh, the Josh Allen elbow news sounds a little concerning. Um, Chris Mortensen has reported during this podcast that Josh Allen is, quote, being evaluated for an elbow injury to his ulnar collateral ligament. That is the UCL, the baseball pitchers tear all the time uh, and related nerves per source. Oh. Bill's coach, Sean McDermott said earlier today, the team hopes to have more information on Tuesday. Oh, um, my goodness. He played through the injury against the Jets, but I mean, pitchers have pitched through torn UCLs before, but not, not for very long. Usually uh, man, I just hope I, you know, I've been on the war path lately about like Josh Allen needs to rein it in and please just let this be a minor injury and like be a minor Josh. Like, all right, Stop exposing your body to like all mm-hmm. these this crazy punishment. Massive hits. Massive hits. He played through it. I think he'll probably be okay. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm a doctor, as you know. You, you are. First and foremost, you are a doctor. First and foremost, I know. I mean, I'm doing this. I can't get these nurse practitioners. Stuff, but they're saying I, quote, have patience right now. I'm, <laughs> why am I always podcasting? And, and the answer is I don't know. Right. And, Stop uh, setting I'm your horrible doc- My reviews on like these doctor review websites are just, just hellaciously. <laughs> Good. No, uh, maybe if you could take your eyes off the spreadsheet for one minute and look yeah. at someone you see. I, I don't even see them as real people. They're just dots to me. <laughs> That's probably the best way to approach it. Look, I want to say to the Bills fans who were jokingly tweeting about Josh Allen's supposedly serious elbow injury all day uh congratulations on jinxing yourself <laughs> no i i don't i don't think they did i actually do think they were dead though bill's twitter was saying oh oh josh allen's really hurt because ian rapaport said this blah, blah, blah. They, our guy can't be hurt and chris mortensen's like uh the ucl might be uh seriously damaged it does and seem they, like josh allen was under the impression he could not get hurt so i'm hoping this is like a minor like Hopefully it's a minor injury and kind of like a wake up call to him. Like, yeah, wow. If I'm going to be in this league a long time, yeah, I probably don't yeah. need to be exposing my throwing shoulder to huge hits like every drive. Right. Um, it would be, it would be good. I, I, uh, be like, I can't, I, Mahomes and Josh Allen, can I pick your point? This would be like the single most devastating injury I could think of. To the yeah. Game. Oh my not God. Lose Josh Allen. We just it's, cannot lose uh, Josh Allen. It would be a huge blow for the league, for the bills, obviously for fantasy I mean, wow, yeah. Uh, Case Keenum would be Oof. would be the starter for Buffalo. Um, we don't need to get into that yet. My God. Uh, so I well, I would say just from a fantasy standpoint, you pick him up in Superflex just in case. Just that actually is a good point because I think Josh Allen will practice this week, but probably yeah, not a bad idea to holster Case Keenum. That is good advice. Uh, you talk a huge blow, Denny. The robust RB drafters never saw it coming. <laughs> Jalen Warren probably had never heard of him. I mean, frankly, I don't know if I had heard of him I, uh, coming yeah. into the season. Uh, he supposedly ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported over the bye. Steelers are planning a lot of big changes, like more of a George Pickens commitment when they come off by this week, maybe more of a Jalen Warren commitment um, who Najee Harris has just been so, so bad. Next gen stats is like expected 
yards over carry. <laughs> Gosh, I cited my column. You know the the York. York is off. I love. I love that you intentionally butcher that stat. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is a great, great stat from stats. And like what, what it's expected yard. I, I, I it's, actually uh, it's, it's are you good? That's the yeah, are you good? Uh, Najee Harris horrible in rush yards <laughs> over expected per attempt. There you go. Uh, one of the worst in the league. Jalen Warren's one of the better ones in the league. There was already smoke percolating here. They might get a bigger role. Yeah. What are we thinking coming off the steel? I mean, five? yeah, uh, I, I talked about it last week in my waiver column. Uh, Jalen Warren makes as much sense as a bench of a, as a bench stash as, as any running back in the league right now, uh, because Najee Harris has been so bad. So the only the only running back with a worse rush yards over expected per attempt <laughs> is Cam Akers. Uh, yes. He's all, his only, is way down there. No, like, this, is, this stat, you know how you know this stat is useful, Denny. It's because it correlates very strongly with the eye test. Like with, right. Basically, yeah. any running back you think has been bad this year will have an extremely bad yeah. rush yards over. That's right. I think that this is this is the one stat that can bring film bros and analytics bros together. And and sisses, of course. Um and, and look, uh Warren has actually been really good on his limited opportunities. Uh in week eight against the Eagles, uh, he had 50 yards on just six carries. Um, he had two catches for 25 yards on, uh, on, on three targets. He played 30% of the Steelers offensive snaps in week eight. Uh, that was of course before the bye week and Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator who is seemingly always playing, uh, coaching for his job. <laughs> How have um, they not fired this guy? I mean, no offense to Matt Canada, but it just makes been, a narrative quite often. Guy's been on the hot seat since he got a, a cup of coffee uh, <laughs> at, at the Steelers press conference when he was announced. Since he spilled um, a scalding hot coffee, <laughs> a cup of McDonald's hot coffee on Don't Sue Me McDonald's. <laughs> on Mike Tomlin. It was yeah, unfortunate. It was very, it was a scene. Uh, and and so apparently the, the Steelers are ready to shake it up and they dealt Chase Claypool, and they're saying Pickens is our number one dog because he has all that dog in him. Um, and maybe Warren has a bigger role. Now, if if Warren ha- takes like half the snaps in the backfield, he's probably still not like, like a viable fantasy option outside of like RB3, RB4 territory, touchdown dependent type stuff. But it's, it's if Najee Harris misses time or if the team just says like, okay, you know, we're, we're making the move. We're, we're prioritizing Jalen Warren, especially especially if it's a PPR league and Jalen Warren gets the pass catching stuff where he really has excelled. That's when he's a difference making bench stash. I, I can see that happening down the stretch. Yeah, I mean he's already rostered in a lot of leagues, but Jalen Warren it's to the point where he needs to be a hundred percent rostered. And no, he's not. He's not even. He needs to be a hundred percent rostered. Yeah. And, and Najee Harris's defense. The guy suffered a list Frank injury right. in August and has right. been trying to play through it, and it just is not going well at all. Um, no, he's averaging uh, almost a full yard less than expected per carry. Like, yeah, it's and, pretty shocking and, ineptitude. So he wasn't good last year either, but he had like literally 100% of the routes, 100% of the snaps, all of the goal line carries, and so he got there. Like, like that's the kind of stuff that gets you there. Based, you know, generated uh, entirely on volume. He doesn't have that. I actually don't. I actually think you could probably do better in 12 team leagues. You probably do better than playing Najee Harris going forward. Yeah, yeah, it sounds weird to hear that said out loud, but it, it probably is true. He just, it's 
confluence of events that made things just not a good 2022 season for Najee Harris. Denny, Elijah Mitchell, fantasy managers, probably stashing like, well, we're getting back to 49ers, true starting running back <laughs> at some point. Then they traded four draft picks for who might still be the best starting running back in the NFL and Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey usage already to the moon before the 49ers week nine by any. So Elijah Mitchell designated a return this week. His three week windows open. He'll be back on the roster soon. They telegraphed by dealing Jeff Wilson. Any expectations at all for Elijah Mitchell or is he just a pure insurance back? Uh, I think it's entirely contingency based. Uh, You know, CMC is going to take all of the touches that he can handle. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, given his recent injury history, perhaps that's not a lot, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that, that, uh, McCaffrey drafters are kind of holding their breath and saying, I don't know if I'm great, like super comfortable with my guy getting 25 touches a, uh, a week. Uh, but I think that that is Shanahan's plan going forward. Uh, he babysat McCaffrey by the way. So we, we have to adjust for, for that. They've, they've um, been a, they were adjusted long ago. Yeah. And uh, so, so Mitchell, yeah. Uh, look, if you, if you have Mitchell, you you sit him on the bench and you say, Elijah, I'm not playing you, but if anything happens to McCaffrey, you're a borderline RB one uh, in a, in a very pass, I'm sorry, a very run first 49ers offense. Even though it's run first. Yeah. There's just no path to standalone value whatsoever. And an offense that has Christian no. McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon, Ayuk, et cetera. So you keep him rostered. Uh, you don't need us to tell the reasons why CMC injury history, not great. Um, and the run, the offense quite run committed, but there's a good chance you keep him rostered and then literally never use him. So that's right. Denny TJ Hawkinson's Vikings debut went about as good as possible. Second most catches of his career. I think his target share was over 20% and there's nine catches by the way. Um, this is at a really complex position where it's uh, especially difficult to change teams midweek. I've been told it's even difficult at running back by yeah. some of my coworkers. Um, I had very limited expectations for TJ Hawkinson's Vikings debut, but I cannot say debut. I don't know why. Um, stay butt. Stay butt. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I th- it looks like he's already immediately their number two pass catcher. Is this correct? Yeah. yeah I mean, they, uh, they really gave him the, you know, the whole starting gig, like, Johnny Munt was not a thing. He's a, he's a real player, by the way. I, I looked it up. He is. Uh, uh, Hawkinson ran uh, 37 routes on 43 dropbacks for the Vikings, uh, caught all nine of his uh, targets for 70 yards. He was the second most targeted Viking behind uh, Justin Jefferson. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's like super bankable going forward. Uh, I will say that it's, it's bad. It's bad news for Adam Thielen uh, because, I, you know, Hawkinson and Thielen will be competing – for the same sort of targets, intermediate, middle of the field stuff. Uh, I would think that, you know, like Jeff Wilson excelling in his first game with the Dolphins, Hawkinson comes in and excels and has a connection with Kirk Cousins in his first game. So I can't imagine that things get worse chemistry-wise and, and you know, uh, working him into the offense going forward. I, I feel like it can only, only get better. So Irv Smith done for the year. Uh, it looks like Hawkinson has that role all to himself, and it and it and it helps that Hawkinson is uh, is not bad, not a bad player. As we know, need nine catches is not going to happen very often, at least probably not. But for me, it was enough to definitely say, all right, he's going to stay in the top eight, maybe even push the top five because 
things are just that bad at tight end right now. And yeah. you can be, yeah, basically no, it was all good news in his Vikings, his Vikings debut. Uh, yep. n- no, no, no touches of gray whatsoever. Denny, inform me you want to talk about Antonio Gibson. At least I mean, it was kind of a tossed off comment you made. I think you want to. Do you want to? I, I did. Uh, because many are saying that I was bullish on Antonio Gibson. Uh, when J.D. McKissick was declared out with a neck injury, by the way, could be a, a, a long-term issue with McKissick. He's seeing a, a neck specialist, which is never good. Hope that he's okay. In the meantime, Gibson will take over. Uh, the pass catching role. So against the Vikings, uh, he did indeed uh, lead the team in routes, 20, 20 routes on uh, 33 dropbacks for Taylor Heineke uh, only saw three targets. <laughs> and this is a week after Taylor Heineke checked down to his running backs 13 times against the Colts. So I thought that with McKissick out that, that Gibson was a candidate for possibly double digit targets. Uh, didn't, didn't work out that way. His only you know, only like like truly um, not not special or spectacular play, but like productive play was at the very end of the game where the Vikings defense was playing 50 yards off the line of scrimmage and they just jumped it down to Gibson and he ran out of bounds, uh, tried to run out of bounds, did not oh dear. succeed. Okay, saying all that, I remain bullish if McKissick is out because although Washington wants to play, um, you know, that, that low-scoring, slow-paced, uh, type of game that they were able to play against the Vikings, they will not always be able to play that. And, and and I think that in scenarios where they are pushed, and I believe they can be and will be pushed down the line, I think that, that Gibson is out there running way more routes and seeing and seeing targets in a uh, in a in a slightly more uh, neutral uh, or I'm sorry, uh, balanced game plan for Washington. So don't 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 get too sour on Gibson. McKissick being out is big for him. Denny, it sounds like this time it counts with Antonio Gibson is what you're saying. You know, the the process was right, and that's all that matters. Just don't look at the box score. Just know that you were correct, that I was correct more specifically with the process. Denny, who does the process say is a deeper receiver we should be paying attention to on waivers this week? Uh, well, you have a you have a few options. Uh, there is, of course, of course, Torre. Um, you also have shoot. I lost. Uh, I lost my my list here. Uh, I think Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I you know I actually don't don't have a deeper Diggs. receiver outside of outside. Torrey was my guy. I guess I should have saved him for this uh, for this section. Torrey, I mean, I do think he's a great deep receiver. I mean, are we still excited about Wandale Robinson? He's still under 50% rostered. Donovan um, Peoples Jones is under 50% mm-hmm. rostered, even though he gets 70 yards every week. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, I am not excited about Wandell going forward because it's become, it's become very, very clear uh, that the giants want to be run first, run heavy. Uh, right now they are, sixth they have the sixth lowest pass rate over expected and i'm talking like they have some recent uh super super uh, run heavy scripts let's see the giants just just to give you an idea uh week six uh minus 10 percent pass rate over expected the next week minus four percent and then week eight minus 12 percent so uh so that so i just i don't i don't see any real path to 
anything close to consistent vo- volume for Wandell Robinson. So I guess that he's like, like possibly like a decent PPR uh, wide receiver three or four, but, but there, but there's no, I just don't see a scenario where he becomes like a, like a scam, like a PPR scam. Darn. That's a real shame. Kind of need that to happen still. I, I, I have them in a couple leagues and uh, it, it, it hurts that I end up playing like Khalif Raymond over him. I'm assuming Terrace Marshall season has been canceled after PJ Walker had nine passing well, yards. No, uh, you know, he, uh, he, I will say he got by, um, you know, with against the, uh, I believe it's when they were trailing 42 to nothing. Yeah. I mean, he ran every pass route, uh, six targets, which was tied for the team lead with DJ Moore. I know he caught that garbage time touchdown. And also they play Atlanta this week. And I wrote about it in my column that'll be up on NBCSportsEdge.com on Tuesday. It, it could be Tuesday right now. But I'm not saying it's not. Yeah, please. Um, Atlanta is atrocious against the pass. I like like worlds worse than anybody else. So I think that Terrence Marshall is still in play in Week Ten. Yeah, I really hope DJ Moore is still in play. Uh, you really buried the lead about this Falcons Panthers matchup, Denny. That's because it's on. Thursday night football. Is it? Oh my it God. Is. Al Michaels is going to retire. I, Al is fed up. Like he's <laughs> just fed, fed, fed up. And oh Jeff God. Bezos is just screaming at an engineer somewhere. And he's like, I, well, I don't know why you're mad at me about this. I have no media training. I'm not involved in the media wing of the company whatsoever, but you know, we'll try to fix it. We'll try to fix it, Jeff. I, um, I low key like PJ Walker this week. Don't, don't fire me. He has been announced. It sounds like he's starting again. So he is starting. He is please, starting. PJ, just get DJ Moore going. And, again. and Pat, I have to tell you that this time it counts. <laughs> this time it counts. <laughs> Which kicker does it count with, Denny? Who is our kicker of the week for week 10? Kicker of the week. This is an easy one. All right. Folks should already know this on, on, uh, on Monday, if it is Monday. Uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob, <laughs> Robbie Gold, folks. Robbie Gold, the Niners are uh, heavy home favorites this week against the incredibly laughably down bad chargers. Um, the uh, four, yeah, seven point favorites at home. Uh, LA allows the highest EPA per rush this season. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that the Niners are going to establish it successfully against the chargers. And that should lead to lots of positive game script. And what do we want with kickers? We want positive game script that generates field goal, uh, field goal attempts throughout the game. I think Gould's a very safe play. Step one, establish it. Step two, kick it. Step three, profit. Profit. It's going to be a 12 nothing game. <laughs> it will be. Man, the Chargers. <laughs> they are a tough watch. And they're somehow five and three, by the way. No, uh, come on. Yeah, they actually are. It's oh insane. What? I know. It's I'm, bad. I. I didn't. I didn't know Brandon Staley has actually ever won a game. Yeah, I know. They they are getting away with it. Um, man, they're so crazy. So yeah, we got the the Falcons and Panthers. On Thursday night football, we have the Eagles and Bucks for for some reason playing in Germany. Um, that'll be fun. That'll no, be it's really uh, Seahawks and Bucks. What I say? Uh, Eagles. Oh yeah. Well, I meant to say the Seahawks. It was some bird. I don't know. Seahawks, <laughs> Bucks. They're sending Pete Carroll to Germany. I'm sure everything will be fine. Um, so no, they're going to be eating. Like, God knows what these players are going to be eating before the game. Um, well, I'm sure. I'm sure Tom Brady will bring lots of uh, alternatives to eat besides the bratwurst and uh, German beer. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no one's going to be eating any liverwurst, but um, no. we shall. We shall see. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game. So an interesting podcast 
Uh, please check out Denny's waiver column on Tuesday on Roto World slash NBC Sports Edge. Got more episodes of the podcast coming later this week. Have my early rankings up on Tuesday. If you're listening on Tuesday, just keep it locked to the website. I'll, hopefully we have good Josh Allen news on our news feed on Tuesday. Um, for Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Darty. We'll catch you later this week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's.